Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z and we got a jam-packed show for you. We're breaking down the week that was in the NFL Divisional Round. Baseball has a new Hall of Famer. And Grayson Allen does Grayson Allen things. But first, we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge the two-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant's passing on January 26th, 2020. Um... The, the sport of basketball misses him. The community of basketball misses him. And he was taken much too soon from us. But, you know, that is life sometimes. And it is, uh, it's sometimes a sad reality. That's for sure. But other parts of realities are that sometimes journeys come to an end and for one head coach Sean Payton that journey has temporarily at least in his mind has come to an end as coach Payton announced that he's going to step away from the New Orleans Saints after a 16 year career there as a head coach spent time as the uh, Cowboys offensive coordinator before that and he's got ties there he's from Chicago so naturally the rumor mill is kind of churning he also was a part of the Parcells coaching tree so anytime you mention the Parcells coaching tree of course you're gonna try and loop in the Giants but um, who's to say where he's gonna end up as of right now he has no intention of coaching but you have to know that Jerry Jones is kind of licking his lips and frothing at the mouth to get Sean Payton in the building he might you know, pack Mike McCarthy's office himself if it means he gets Sean Payton in that building. So that is definitely a story that we need to monitor. And you kind of knew the writing was on the wall for Sean Payton in New Orleans, considering the fact that, you know, Taysom Hill, he invested all that money in Taysom Hill, and, well, not a quarterback. Not a quarterback. So life without Drew Brees has not treated Sean Payton well, and it does not surprise me that uh, he's taking a little bit of a break. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through. The last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Hey, uh, yeah, you touched on some uh, really important headlines there. Uh, Kobe Bryant, I mean, what a tragedy. How crazy is it that the, the Lakers... The Lakers are currently 24 and 24, and they're the eighth seed in the West. Wow. How creepy is that? Damn. That is some numerology type stuff right Damn. there. Damn. Sports is a weird, weird thing. Uh, LeBron showed his dominance last night against Brooklyn, which was awesome. Um, to talk back about the Sean Payton thing, you know, 
Listen, I get it. I mean, he's been there for a long time, but are we going to say that he was really a good coach? I think they went to maybe two NFC championships, one Super Bowl, one title in 16 years. Meanwhile, Breeze broke all those passing records. One year without Breeze doesn't make doesn't really make any noise, doesn't make the playoffs. Team is in cap hell right now. Cap hell. The team's going to have to get gutted, traded away. And he's going to step down. And you're right. It is probably to probably take that Dallas job. I don't think it'll be the Giants job. It's the Dallas job. Because if McCarthy McCarthy goes into the playoffs and loses one game again, the next week he'll be fired, like you said. Um, Jerry Jones will help him pack his office. And here comes Sean Payton, which he's wanted for years. And I do think that Sean Payton with those players, Zeke, Dak, CD, Wilson, uh, Cooper, if he winds up staying, they have a chance to really be a good team. But I'm not, I'm just not so, I mean, they were talking about it on KJM this morning about, you know, oh man, Sean Payton, you know, he's a great coach and, you know, he could really change a team around. And I just, I don't see that. I don't see that. He had one of the most prolific passers in NFL history and they won one. And if they don't recover that onside kick, they probably don't even win that game. So, I mean, if I was him, I would step down too. I don't want to coach this team. <laughs> I mean, come on. Winston's coming off an ACL tear. Taysom Hill is pretty much going to be the quarterback. And you know that was a mistake, mm-hmm. giving that guy all that money. You can't draft a guy. I mean, this this team, Michael Thomas is out. I mean, he hasn't played in two years. If you're uh, Alvin Kamara, do you uh, see the writing on the wall and kind of want out? It's hard to say, right? Because that division is kind of up in arms. Is, is it, it's, it's anybody's division right now, right? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about this later, but Brady could potentially be retiring, right? The the Carolina Panthers really got to start over, okay? We don't yeah. know what we don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. We don't we don't know what how what they're going to look like next year. The Falcons are the Falcons. They, they're, they're Matt Ryan and company. Matt Ryan's getting old. So, and the Saints, what we, you know, th- this is what it is. So, I don't know if it's, I don't know if Kamara would want to leave. He gets a chance to put up numbers. He has a chance to make himself a very valuable player. Um, I don't know what the market is for him as a runner. That's a, it's a good point. I'm not 100% sure what, uh, what the future holds there. I would say that it's not, I mean, the only thing that gives it any attraction would be Alvin Kamara and that defense, because there's a lot of, a lot of problems right now, like you stated, and whatever kind of, whatever gold or glistening nature the job has, because, you know, like what Sean Payton brought was consistency. He stabilized the franchise right after Hurricane Katrina. He and Drew Brees were the right guys at the right time yeah, in the right, right place. Right. So, right. like, it was the perfect storm for them. Um, I don't necessarily think because of the the roster, the offensive roster, going into next year with either Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, or Ian Book, or somebody else. I, I don't think that it's going to be as smooth of a ride next year as 
they're hoping for. No, and you would imagine that, I mean, everyone's talking about the Dallas job, but what about the Chargers job? I mean, mm. how, how, how about if that guy pulls, you know, another shit season like he just pulled? Man, wouldn't Sean Payton love to work with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen? That sounds appealing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't... And Chicago... You know, I can't see him really going to Chicago. I understand it's kind of like a blank canvas and he can develop Fields, but Fields not Fields is not the passer Herbert is. Fields is not the passer Mahomes is. Fields not the passer that Dak is. So if you go to Chicago, you're gonna you're gonna be you're just gonna have a tough time and it's not a place where you I don't know how well his offense would play out there either. Yeah, I mean it's definitely He's out in the elements in the cold in December. Yeah, you gotta uh, run yeah. the ball, man. Yeah, you got. I mean, the one thing is that he does come from the the Parcells tree, and Parcells was all about running the ball. Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for 7 to 10 years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The techs at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of hair cutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646-221-8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646-221-8728. Transitioning from what's happening in New Orleans and the surrounding areas of guys not in the playoffs, let's talk about the biggest story of the weekend and arguably the best game. The Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. 25 points. Get this. 25 points were scored between the two teams in the last two minutes of regulation time. Think about that. Two minutes... 25 points total. And eventually, the Chiefs kicked a field goal to send the game into overtime and then won the game on a Travis Kelsey touchdown on the first possession. The Bills did not get to possess it, did not touch the ball. So did the Chiefs win the game or did the Bills lose the game? Bills lost the game, man. Plain and simple, Bills lost the game. How do you have a receiver have 200 yards of receiving and over three touchdowns? Are you kidding me, Gabriel Davis? You 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 then you you don't script kick it, you kick the ball out of bounds. They get the ball to 25. What are you guys doing? They've gotta go they go 46 yards in 14 seconds and kick a field goal. How do you let that happen? I don't wanna hear that they would have that Buffalo would have won if they won the coin toss. Bullshit, man. They they were up. They gave the ball back to them. Stop someone. 
Play football. Football is made up of offensive defense. Stop somebody. Script kick it. How about this? How about you hold Travis Kelsey? Hold him. Don't let him go five yards. Let them call the holding penalty. Eight seconds run off the clock. It's a five-yard penalty on Mac first down. There's no way they're getting downfield in eight seconds and kicking a field goal. Like, where's your head at? Where's your head at, Sean McDermott? Where's your head? They, you cannot allow the team to cross the 50-yard line. And to, you know, you say it was one, it was probably the best game of the weekend. I would argue it was the worst. There was no defense. Nobody played defense. People were running wide open. People falling down. It's not even raining. There's no snow. Why are you falling on the floor? Guy gives a little deacon. He's wide open in the end zone, man. I mean, how, and, and how, how, how are you relying on linebacker Milano to cover Tyreek Hill with the game tied? He catches the ball 15 yards downfield and takes it to the house. Does the peace sign while the players are ahead of him. I was just, I don't know. I'm sorry to get all fired up, but I was just, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And I liked, I, I like, I like uh, Allen. And Allen's a beast. Poor kid threw nine touchdowns and zero interceptions in the playoffs and he's going home. C- come on, man. I mean, you got to give credit to the Chiefs because they exploited the soft-ass defense that Leslie Frazier was running out there. You know, I don't know if Leslie Frazier was, you know, too preoccupied with his head coaching interviews. I know he interviewed with the Giants yesterday, but there were clips of Mahomes and Kelsey talking it through. And they knew it. They could see it. The scene was there. There was a huge hole to exploit, and Travis Kelsey exploited. Tyreek Hill running free. Like you said, we're going to talk about Cooper Cup later. Both of these guys just free release, running free through the defenses. I don't know what's going on with that, but your whole, you've got to keep the play in front of you. You've got to make sure you're gaining the necessary yards to get Bucker into field goal range. And you don't do it. That falls on Leslie Frazier's game plan and the execution of the defense. You can't fault Josh Allen at all for this game. 329, 27, 37, four TDs. Gabriel Davis balling out, like you said. You know, he's going to make himself a lot of money. Eight catches for 201 yards. Like, that's, that's a contract game right there. But, you know, all credit due to the Chiefs. They took what was given to them. The Bills did not close them out. And they are moving on to the AFC title game. So, Patrick Mahomes, it it showed that this team has that championship pedigree. And you have to figure that they are the favorites in this upcoming AFC title game because of their experience, because of their talent level, and because of their explosiveness. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the game, I saw it more as the Chiefs were letting the Bills hang around them. Um, I I saw the game as you, they the Chiefs lost Tyron Matthew on, like, the first play. They lost mm-hmm. their safety. I'm not saying that he would have made a bigger impact than he did, but it definitely might have affected the game plan somewhat. Gabriel Davis and, isn't running over the middle with Tyron Matthews there. Yeah, and and... To me, the Chiefs had Chiefs had more weapons, and 
if you were the Bills, I mean, you came in, you're going for it on fourth down, you're on the guy line, you score, you score first. You go into halftime, you know, the game's close, but you're on the road, but you score with 14 seconds left in the game. <laughs> I mean, come on, we talk about every week how you can't give guys like Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers the ball with time. They did exactly what they're supposed to do. They 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 scored with only 14 seconds left. They did what they were supposed to do. I don't want to hear that if it went to overtime, you know, it would have been a different and and the uh, and the Bills got the ball first, it would have been a they would have won the game probably, possibly. You can't say that now. Not when you had a lead with 14 seconds left, you lose that. You lose that. You and what, what, are your, lose that. what are your thoughts on the argument of now, of course, again, the two-possession overtime rule is now starting to be, you know, bandied about again because the Buffalo Bills didn't get to possess the ball in sudden death overtime, and they got cheated, air quotes, cheated out of their game. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. They possessed the ball numerous times through four quarters. You got to, at some point, play defense. You got to, at some point, stop the other team. I like, you know me, I like the old overtime rules. First team to score wins. That's it, man. You don't get the ball. The only thing that I would change, and I think we've talked about this before, is I want to see more of an element of home field advantage. So I think if you win the flip in the beginning of the game, then you don't get to choose the flip at the end of the game. Or maybe the home team gets to decide the flip in overtime. I think that could affect your strategy in the fourth quarter. Or maybe get rid of the flip of the coin toss altogether. What are we flipping coins for, man? It's the 21st century. Flip an iPhone. Like, <laughs> how about the way team gets to decide if they want the ball or not? And if they go into overtime, if they go into overtime, the home team gets to decide. Get rid of the coin flip. I don't think that is necessary. The best thing I always liked was the XFL, you know? The, you got you to gotta get your fastest guy out there, and he's got to run down there and get the ball, and then he gets to decide. But, no, I, I, I'm I, fine. I'm fine with the overtime rules that don't touch it, don't change it. Um, yeah, it's over. I'm with you. I was more – I preferred the old overtime rule, the, the Adam Vinatieri overtime rule. Just get me close enough, and let's let's go home. you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? A delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave. From the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, SweetLifeBrownieCo.com for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at SweetLifeBrownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043 and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Co., because there's always room for a brownie.
speaking of uh, a kicker who got close enough and sent people home, Evan McPherson and the Cincinnati Bengals knocked off the number one seed Tennessee Titans on Saturday. And Jimmy G, Robbie Gold, the San Francisco 49ers knocked off the Green Bay Packers, also the number one seed on Saturday. Rodgers had 225 yards, but no touchdowns, no picks in the loss against and King Henry for the Titans only at 62 yards while they're passing with Ryan Tannehill through three horrible, horrible picks, making Mike Vrabel look like a total putz. But who holds more responsibility in their team's losses? King Henry or Mr. Rogers? <laughs> I think you know this. I mean, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers, man. You're undefeated at home all season, and you lose to... Jimmy G and the 49ers, a team from California, you lose to them in Lambeau Field? The Packers are 7-7 in their last 14 playoff games. Come on, man. you serious? They scored one touchdown with their home field advantage. Devontae Adams and Adam Jones, they have they have Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, they have all the players that Aaron Rodgers wanted. So what's the excuse this year? They win 13 games every year, and they just can't get to the Super Bowl. And then the other thing is, is if, if you're Aaron Rodgers, why should you come back? Why is next year going to be different? And why is next year going to be better? I think they have a. I think they have a quarterback. I think they have. I think. Uh, I think every quarterback has their signature postseason moment. Right, mm-hmm. and I can't think of any that involve Aaron Rodgers. He's 0-4 against the 49ers. Jimmy G did not complete a pass until midway through the second fucking quarter. One touchdown in the snow against a team from California. Jimmy G was trying to give the game away. He was throwing interceptions. Players weren't catching the ball. I mean, yeah, don't don't even start. Aaron Rodgers. On offense, the Niners brought nothing. They didn't really, they didn't. You know, George Kittle, four for 63. Their run game got shut down pretty effectively. Elijah Mitchell, 17 for 53. Debo Samuel, you know, last, the week previous against the Cowboys, he's looking like Brandon Jacobs out there. Only 10 for 39, three for 44 receiving. So he was pretty well neutralized. And it boils down to, at the end of the day, it boiled down to defense. And the Niners did enough, even, you know, even in the, the cold, even in the snow, they did enough to stymie Aaron Rodgers and they sent them home. Like, as that's much- the thing. That's the thing. I don't, I don't think they stymied him, see? He was missing people. People were wide open and he was missing them. He didn't even look at them. He didn't throw them the ball. Passes that he made during the regular season that were easy, nothing. Put it on the numbers. He's throwing low. He's throwing outside. He's not even looking at certain guys. It was awful. It was it was terrible to watch. This is your bread and butter. You're the number one seed. You got a game in Lambeau Field. You got Jimmy G with his broken hand and the 49ers coming to town. They, you... 
On your first possession, you march downfield in 10 plays and score a touchdown. And then you don't score any touchdowns for the rest of the game? What, what, what changed? What changed? I don't want to hear it was San Francisco's defense. They didn't do anything that crazy. The only thing that they did crazy was is what? They blocked the punt, right? And that that was that was the biggest thing. They blocked, blocked the field goal, blocked punt. Special blocked team. field goal, blocked punt, returned the thing for the touchdown. But Aaron, Aaron missing people. Special, I mean, it's all three phases of the game. You do have to give them credit for the special teams' wins. But they got away from the run game. What did the green? What the Green Bay touchdown was a rushing touchdown. Yeah, you're right. AJ right. Dillon had seven carries in the game. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Jones had twelve. It's not like it was thirty-three to ten where they had to pass. This right. is a closely contested game the entire way through, and this speaks to Matt Lafleur. Lafleur. <laughs> Lafleur. The loser. Lafleur. <laughs> Lafleur. Like, yeah, you're throwing the ball all over the field. What was most effective for you? Running the football. He doesn't get it. You have you have the most complete team in the NFC, right? You had Brady. His line was injured. Antonio Brown went a wall. Godwin's G- gone. Godwin's gone. Jimmy G has half a hand. You know, like. I mean, this is it. If this was any time, the only team that could have possibly given you a run for your money was the Rams. And the Rams would have to come to you. So you're in the driver's seat. I am firmly in agreement with you on that. The Green Bay Packers were in the driver's seat, and they blew it. At one point... Half, yeah, you go into halftime and the score is 7 nothing, and you're the Green Bay Packers. We got a problem. We got a problem. Burn the game plan and let's start over. We need to go out there and change shit up. No, I, totally. Well, let's from this. Let's flip it to the AFC and let's talk about Titans and Bengals. You know, you you have Derrick Henry. He rushed for he rushed the ball twenty times, only for sixty two yards. Deontay Foreman had just as much production on a fifth of the carries. He only had he only carried the ball four times and it's not like you know joe burrow made he lit up you know the passing yards but he got sacked nine times nine times nine you, times you, you sack a guy nine times and you lose the game when you let ryan Tannehill throw the ball like 15 to 24 not awful i mean it's not great but it's not awful 220 yards and eh? okay but your first pass is a pick, your last pass is a pick, and you got another one in there somewhere. It really like this falls on this falls on Todd Downing. What the hell are you doing? And it, you know what? Go even further. It falls on Mike on Mike Vrabel. You hear what's going on in the headset? It's like we're throwing the ball. Why the fuck are we throwing the ball? Derrick Henry's here. No, you're not throwing the fucking ball. Turn around, hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. That's why we have him. But... The only the only thing I will say for the Titans, um, and I was talking to a good friend of mine about this, was to me they were not a number one seed. Mm. To me, they were a team that would have benefited from playing in the divisional round. And I don't think the I don't think the number one seed helped them. Now let's remember, 
they're a number one seed, but they also lost to the Jets during the regular season. So True. did the Bengals. So did the Bengals. Okay. So I think they were they were a momentum team and they they have a really good defense. And you know, I I picked them to win the game. But I think the momentum hurt them, the week off hurt them, and they were going up against a team that has has a lot of talent, right? Not defensively, so to speak, but they got a good quarterback. They got fast wide receivers. They got a Pro Bowl running back. Like, they were going up against talent. Mm-hmm. And talent prevailed. And they only won by a field goal, but that's all they had to win by. You know, that's all that mattered. No, absolutely. And you know what? Jamar Chase had a good game, 5 for 109. But when you see the stat line of nine sacks, you really start to rethink not taking Panay Sewell or Rashawn <laughs> Slater or somebody who won't get your quarterback killed. Yeah. And you're going I mean, up against Chris Jones on Sunday. Chris Jones is going to be in that backfield. Yeah. You know? Melvin Ingram is going to be in that backfield. This is going to be a long day for Cincinnati if they do not get this line patched up. And I understand that you know, you're proud of the fact that these guys are undrafted free agents and six-round picks. That's lovely. You're maximizing what talent you have. The problem is you had the opportunity to get an uber-talented guy to keep Joe Burrow from being in traction. I understand that you wanted his college teammate, the LSU to LSU thing, the production was too great, you know, to resist. But... If Chase gets shut out and Burrow gets toe-tagged on Sunday, you're going to be regretting that. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events store openings or just because Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art creating decorative installations for your special occasions no event is too big or too small and their custom personalization service is top notch Westchester Popstars is a private studio quickly expanding in-person consultation is by appointment only send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment no need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester pop stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. Speaking of regretting decisions, you know who's not regretting a decision right now? Les Snead and Sean McVay. I was about to say, don't say it. Don't say <laughs> I, it. I did it. I did it. I did it. <laughs> In the biggest surprise of the weekend, in my opinion, Matthew Stafford and the Rams upset the Golden Boy and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30-27 to on Sunday. The Bucs were down 27-6 to at one point, but Tampa Bay tied the game with less than two minutes left in the game. Matthew Stafford threw a bomb to Cooper Cup, who ran free again to set up the game-winning field goal for Matt Gay with no time left to kill the clock. Like we say on this show... To quote the very, very dapper nature boy, Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And since Stanford beat Tampa Tom, 
Are they the favorite to win the Super Bowl now? Yeah, I mean, you took you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, that's what I always say, right? To be the man, you got to beat the man. And he went in, and he beat the man. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're star-studded. They're healthy. The Bucks had every opportunity to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. You had two fumbles by Akers. They the they had the snap that went over Stafford's head after Brady gets stripped. They came back from being down twenty-seven to six to tie the game. <laughs> Looks like we're going into overtime. And oh wait, Antoine Winfield lets the best receiver on the field get behind him, and then he tackles him so that the game-winning field goal could get kicked. Um, you know, I was watching the game and I was telling myself, you know, Tampa doesn't deserve to win this game, especially the way they paid the first three quarters. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. The Rams don't deserve to win this game either because they're letting them right back in. Um, you know, what what more can you say? Uh, to me, in my personal opinion, it looked like Tampa did not come ready to play. That's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. You think about Tom Brady and where he came from with New England and, you know, staying focused, watching film, getting ready to play. And that's not what this looked like. This looked like a team that was loafing all week, thought the Rams were going to come in and, you know, we got Tampa Tom and Fournette's coming back. Shaq Barrett's going to play. We just stomped on the Eagles. We're going to stomp on the Rams. And that's not what that's not what played out. I mean, and then after the game, you hear Tom and it just it just he sounds so disappointed. Right. It sounds like he's almost like uh, I don't even know if I really want to come back because I think for him, he's such a regimental person. And I think Tampa is a much more relaxed scene. And I'm not sure if they if he comes back, that they're going to be able to do better. It's just too much of a relaxed atmosphere, and I, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see him coming back. Well, last year he went to Tampa Bay, and he was determined to prove a point. He proved that point, but just because he could stay motivated doesn't mean that the other right. guys can stay motivated exactly. too. Exactly, because everybody got paid, everybody got their championship, everybody got their ring. They returned the whole team. Right. Nobody there is hungry. There ain't nobody there is hungry. Yeah, there's only one guy who you know is going to be there along with Brady, and that's Rock, because he's been doing it ever since he got drafted out of Arizona. Like this has just been, this has been the Brady and Gronk show. But you know, it was not a clean game by any means necessary. They got to Brady routinely. Tristan Wirfs, huge, huge loss. And, you know, not having Godwin and not having Antonio Brown for all the headaches he caused, you know, eventually that stuff catches up with you. And they definitely were able to get Brady off his spot. He looked rattled. He looked pressured. And he got dropped routinely. Another thing that definitely was a highlight of this was Sean Hockley and that lame ass personal foul, you know, on taunt, the taunting on Indomitian Sue for wagging his finger at Matthew Stafford. Like, okay, that's fine. And then 
the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Brady. It's the first time he's ever been called for unsportsmanlike conduct in his career. And it happens in arguably the biggest game of his career right now. Was What are your thoughts on that? Did Hockley call it too tight? Was he calling it just right? What do you think about that? I'm not going to make excuses, but you see Tyreek Hill running down the sideline giving the peace sign to the players he's passing. Is that unsportsmanlike conduct? The other thing I thought that was a miss, and I haven't I haven't double-checked, I haven't looked at the rules, but it seems a little odd to me that on the fourth down, uh, Eric Weddle lays out Mike Evans. Oh, I forgot pers- about that one. Gets a personal foul penalty, but because it was an incomplete pass, it's a 15-yard penalty after the Rams get the ball. So does that mean if there was a personal if there was a personal foul against the quarterback that the Rams would still get the ball too? How's that work, right? Like let's yeah. say Brady let's say Brady threw a pass and then he got hit after the play and that was a personal foul. Don't they get 15 yards and keep the ball? Why is it different if it's a pass? No, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, he I thought they missed that. I, I never saw. I didn't see anybody talk about it after the game, but I was like, "Wait a minute! How is person? How does that personal foul work? If you know, is does the receiver get less of a benefit than the quarterback does?" Well, we know that's true, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But um, it should have benefited. It definitely should have benefited Tampa. And I don't know if that I need to look at the rule. I need to see the interpretation of that rule because yeah. that seems a little off. I mean, it that wasn't passing. It was passing. It wasn't pass interference because it came after the play. That's true, but right. uh, I don't know. It, it just it seems a little wonky to me. And I like you. I, I was watching the game with my girl, and I turned to her, and she turned to me, and we were like. What? Yeah, I would think that rule needs to change ASAP if that's really the rule. I mean, why? If it's a personal foul, it's a personal foul. Why? Why would you change possession? But to go back to your question, I don't. I'm not gonna say personal fouls really change the game. I don't know what was said or what was done. You gotta let the guys play, especially in this game. You gotta, you gotta kind of swallow your whistle on some stuff. You know? Yeah, because that Indomitian Sue finger wag cost them 15 yards, and I think two plays later they're in the end zone. So, yeah. like that's a little, that's a little egregious, and that's something that needs to be cleaned up. Looking to break into broadcast media, web development, social media marketing, or filmmaking? Then CSB is the program for you. From day one, you'll be trained hands-on by industry pros like friend of the show Rob Adams, whose goal is to get you trained and get you working in months, not years. CSB offers 8 and 16 week programs in small class sizes designed to give you the personalized attention you need. If you can make it in person, there are five East Coast locations. If you can't, they offer virtual classes too. How great is that? And once you graduate, you become part of the alumni network that gets you to the front of the line. Trust me, I'm going to love myself. Go to GoCSB.com today, request more info, set up a studio tour, and who knows, you may very well be on your way to a career in broadcast media. That's GoCSB.com and tell them Z sent you. GoCSB.com. But speaking of being cleaned up, we have a new Hall of Famer in Cooperstown. 
The Baseball Hall of Fame Class of One was announced on Tuesday. <laughs> Is it a class if it's just one? Well, he will be joining other people because, you know, you have the uh, the Veterans Committee votes, guys like Jim Cotton, Gil Hodges, and Minnie Minoso. David Ortiz will be joining that list. He is now a first ballot Hall of Famer, getting almost 79% of the vote. This is the first time a player who has tested positive for PEDs has been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Remember, he was named in the Mitchell Report, but because that was unofficial, it was kind of uh, stricken from the record, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. At the same time, Barry Bonds is out, Roger Clemens is out, Sammy Sosa is out, and Kurt Schilling is out. So what does this mean for steroid users who are on the ballot? Uh, you know, it, it means that they will get in someday. It means you're allowed to cheat in baseball and be immortalized in sport. It means Joe Morgan is turning over in his grave. It means everyone everyone will get in at some point, but most of all, it means I'll never step foot in this baseball thing. David Ortiz was David Ortiz was too well liked not to make it in, basically. Um, people were able to see past his PED accusations or his 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 PED use and we're like man this guy represented Boston this guy was the face of the franchise he broke the curse he you know he won he won a world series he won two world series there you know and I think that's what happened where with Bonds and Clemens people don't like them you know the only problem I have and I was listening to a couple of other podcast today and I can't recall who it was but he brought up a good point he's like you know Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds were good before they did steroids they did Mm -hmm. steroids and it it allowed them to last longer probably put up better numbers if you think about Roger Clemens he I think he did it when he was with Toronto he got the back-to-back Cy Youngs and then he winds up going to the Yankees and he prolongs his career Bonds went from hitting 40 home runs hitting 60 home runs and he got enormous, right? But they mm-hmm. were they were pretty good players and they were pretty pretty on pace to probably get into the Hall of Fame. But you look at Ortiz. I mean, he was on the Twins. And then all of a sudden he goes to Boston. And then we see him start to put up numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's where I have the problem. And the other problem is you got a guy like Bud Selig who was the commissioner of the league when the steroid era was happening and he knew it was happening and he got into the whole thing. So it's, uh, you know, and just to be, just to be quite honest with you, I've been listening to Jeff Passan the last two days. I'm sick and tired of him because he's painting them as victims. They're not victims. They chose to do what they did. If they don't get in, they don't get in. You can tell the story of baseball without these guys. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. But on the flip side, I'm saying that if you let one of them in, you got to let them all in. So let Pete in. Let the Black Sox in. Let them all in. Either let them all in or don't let any of them in. That's all I got to say. I'm in agreement on that one. And I think it's very telling that this was A-Rod's first year on the vote, on the ballot, right? What was A-Rod's percentage? 
33.5. Yeah. So look at Alex Rod- I mean, I can't stand him. I think he's a preening schmo. Like Tony Kornheiser, Michael Wilbon like to talk about Brian Billick as a preening schmo. A-Rod to me is in the same category. So immensely talented dude. Didn't need to cheat, just like yeah. the other guys. Right. But they're making an example of him. Right? right. Bonds was in the 50s or 60s when he first got on. Clemens was in the 50s or 60s. <laughs> he starts out at 33.5. That is very telling. And it really is a popularity contest. It becomes who is a media darling and who isn't. Perfect example. Albert Bell is a cuspy Hall of Famer. I would argue that Albert Bell was one of the best sluggers of the 90s. Career, 381 home runs. Lifetime, 295 batting average. 1,239 ribbies. An OPS of 933. Dude was a hitter. Albert Bell could flat out rake. But he was also a Hall of Fame asshole. So he didn't, he didn't sniff the vote. Right? He didn't sniff the ballot. It's on record that the media punished Jim Rice for being a prick. And then they finally let him in. They threw him a bone. So let's not pretend that this isn't some kind of popularity contest. And, you know, we're going to grease the the palms of the guys that were nice to us and gave us access. That's just a crock. So there needs to be a better a better way of determining or a better way of deciding who that's going to be. Now, Kurt Schilling is another Hall of Fame asshole. But, you know, maybe it's maybe he's onto something with just having a committee, a committee of veteran players. You know, like, let my peers decide if I'm good enough to be in the Hall. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is, eventually, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. All these guys are going to get in the Hall of Fame because there's yeah. going to be some committee like 10 or 20 years down the line, maybe 30 years down the line, and they're going to look past it. Manny Ramirez is going to get in with them because, you know, another guy, Manny could flat out hit. He didn't need the performance-enhancing drugs. But he was one of the best hitters of a generation. And... It will happen where these guys get in. I don't know if Pete Rose did is ever going to get in. I don't know if the Black Sox get in. But at the same time, I'm with you 100% lockstep. If baseball is a museum, if baseball's Hall of Fame is a museum designed to tell the story, you can't leave that chapter out, as my dad used to say. If you're writing a book, you don't write an incomplete book. You tell the whole story. No matter how how disturbing it is, or how uncomfortable it is, or how bad it makes you look, tell the story. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. 
or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. And speaking of telling a story, do I have a story for you? There once was a man named Grayson Allen, who was a dirtbag at Duke, a very dirty, dirty player in college. Gets drafted, plays a few years in the NBA, somehow ends up on the world champion Bucks. Seems to have kind of, you know, mended his ways a little bit, or at least, you know, learned how to play a little bit better so he didn't have to be dirty. And then he goes and fouls Alex Caruso, break it, fracturing Alex Caruso's wrist. Grayson Allen of the Bucks was suspended for one game for this action. What, what do you think the NBA got right here? I mean, we all know what kind of person Grayson Allen is from his days at Duke. Uh, but he, like you said, he's been a model citizen in the NBA for quite some time. Probably because he hasn't been able to stay on the, the the NBA level, spending time in the G League for most of his career. Um, the league did what it could, I think, based on how they punish kind of like first-time offenders or offenders in this case. So I'm not I'm not mad at the league. Um, I think they did what they could. However, and this is kind of old school here. The Bucks play the Bulls again on March 4th. If Grayson Allen plays in that game, the Bulls should let him go in for a layup and take care of him. And that's all. A little that's old it. school justice. That's all. That's it. I mean, we we don't have the ability to show the clip, but Caruso's going to the basket for a layup. And Grayson Allen pretty much runs alongside of him, grabs him by the arm, and pulls him down. Does not go for the ball, pulls him down. And then laughs about it as he's told that he's been ejected from the game. That's a problem. Didn't go to Alex Russo and be like, oh man, I'm so sorry, are you okay? Like, didn't do any of that. Uh, so, that's, that's where I am with it. I don't think it was harsh enough because there, yes, he went up and he hit him with his right hand, but then when you watch the clip of the video, he goes in and he kind of grabs the other wrist and yeah, yanks a little bit. Down. He pulls him down. down. So there's clear intent to injure. There is clear intent to injure there because you're not, you don't do, you're not trying to break his fall when you're doing that. You're, there, you have a clear understanding of what you're trying to do. If you're trying to attempt to injure, I'm not saying you have a suspension as long as Caruso is injured, but seven games, ten games, I would have been fine with. One, seems like he got off light, but dropping the hammer on him based on what he did in college also isn't the way to go. But... A 10-game suspension, I think, would have been more than fair for a, a marginal player who committed a thuggish act and showed no remorse for it. In hockey, he'd be labeled a goon, and what would happen? Exactly what you said. 
they would send out the guy, they would send out the goon, they drop the gloves, and they beat the shit out of it. And that's probably that that's probably what's gonna happen in some form or fashion the next time Grayson Allen plays the Bulls. He deserves it. That's what should happen. But transitioning from professional basketball to college basketball, Auburn. Yes, Auburn. That Auburn, the football school. They are the number one team in the country in men's basketball. Under head coach Bruce Pearl of Wisconsin-Milwaukee fame, of Tennessee fame, and possibly Louisville fame, as he's been tied to that job now that Chris Mack has been fired. Does this mean anything at this point in the year that Auburn is number one? Or is just is it almost that time for Bruce Pearl to leave due to scandal? <laughs> you know, at first glance, I thought to myself, no, uh, it's not a, it's not a big deal uh, because we were two months away from the NCAA tournament, and they're not they're they're not the best team in the country. I mean, they're they're number one, but they're they're not really the best team in the country. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, man, it's the first time in the history of the program that they're number one in college basketball, and then. Some, this is something not even Charles Barkley accomplished. And the other part is, is I want to let's let's look at the redeeming side of Bruce Pearl. Let's be positive about it. <laughs> after all the after all the scandals at Iowa, Milwaukee, and Tennessee, he's risen to the top again. I mean, I don't trust the guy, but I think this is certainly an accomplishment for him to be proud of, for the school to be proud of, for him to be proud of. Well, definitely, it's the first time that it's ever been done at the school. But like you said, they're not a standout in any capacity. You know, only averaging 79.4 points per game. Yeah, I get it's college and scoring isn't as high in college, but that ranks 31st in the country. It's not like it's an offensive juggernaut, you know? They're tied for 60th in rebounds per game. Okay, not that great. They're decent, you know, 15 assists per game. They're not playing super great defense. They're allowing 65.3 points per game. So, you know, it's a good collective effort right now. You know, you have guys like Jabari Smith, Wendell Green Jr., Walker Kessler. You have players there that are, you know, contributing to the greater whole. And this season's just been a weird year because you've had Purdue at number one and they got trounced. Nobody seems to want number one for very long this year. So it it looks like it's going to be one of those years that it's going to be wide open. And I don't necessarily know if they're even a number one seed come tournament time when when Selection Sunday comes. I'm not 100% sure that that's going to be the case. But at this point in time, it's a nice little footnote. It's a nice little story. But um, I don't know. And uh, what are your thoughts on the Chris Mack firing and... uh, should Bruce Pearl be interested in this? Because Louisville is more of a basketball school. He will get more attention than still, you know, being at Auburn. But um, do you think this would be a, a, a good move for him, or should he stay under the radar? Oh yeah, a school like Louisville, riddled with scandal, sounds right up Bruce Bruce Pearl's alley. Uh, well, that yeah. just means Iona's next. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I think he should stay at Auburn. This fits him. Louisville's got a 
Louisville's got a lot of issues, and they don't seem to have anything under control. And I don't understand how they go from problem to problem there. They're such a, a they're such a big time powerhouse basketball school, but yet this seems to be hitting them from all sides all the time. So. No, I don't think it's a move for him. He should stay with Auburn and see what else opens up. But I would stay away from schools that that have trouble associated with them. It would be hilarious, though, because, I mean, we think about this. They would turn to Bruce Pearl after a controversy. Yeah. Because they still haven't recovered from Rick Pitino, right? They had Rick Pitino, and now they have Chris Mack. And now, you know, we're going to have this normalizing, stabilizing force. Bruce Pearl! It just sounds like a bad idea. I'm wondering, I'm actually wondering that if Shire doesn't work out in Duke, if, if, really? Duke, is, if Duke is going to go after Patino. Because, I mean, we posted on the web, we posted on Insta. Uh, I was at the Iona game a couple weekends ago. And, man, Patino could still coach. I mean... He's got the Iona Gales. I think they're 13 and three or 14 and three. Uh, they're headed towards probably another MAC title, and you know, going to see him in a little 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 school like Iona. I mean, he he's big time. I mean, I could totally see if the Shire thing doesn't work out that Duke is calling, or maybe even or even Chapel Hill calls him. Right? That would definitely be interesting to see a guy with Patino's stature. You know, it would be very interesting to see how he fits in with the history and with the programs there, because generally speaking, they like, they don't necessarily want the big name. They want to create the big name. And I mean, that would be very interesting to see how it, cause it feels like it, it feels like a, an oil and water situation, but it's definitely something I'm intrigued to see. And we, we both know that Rick Pitino is going to go big game hunting eventually and vice versa. Big name college is going to be calling him. Iona is just a stop on the road, but, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was in the conversation and, uh, it would be very interesting to see how he would fit in one of those big name schools. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. time for the mail route on the fade route if you want to get featured hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com or slide in those dms at fade route podcast on ig or drop us a line on our twitter page at fade route dnz All right, boys and girls, we have a full mailbox for you today. If you want to be featured, email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs at faderoutdnz on Twitter or faderoutpodcast on IG. Our first email of the day comes from Dwight in Richmond, Virginia. Hey, guys. 
We've seen a lot of coaches and GMs get fired since the regular season ended three weeks ago. How important is it for the NFL to have more minority head coaches and GMs in the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly important. And um, to me, it seems like the Rooney rule really isn't working. And I just don't get it. I, I don't understand how how something like this happens. You have a team that has so you have football teams that have so much diversity, but you don't have diversity among head coaches. You don't have diversity among GMs. You don't have any diversity among owners. And you wonder at what point is this going to change? You can't tell me that Mike McCarthy was the only person capable of coaching the Dallas Cowboys. You can't tell me that Zach Taylor was the only person capable of coaching the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you're not even you're not even close to a 50-50 split. Right now there's only one African American head coach in the league after Brian Flores recently got fired. So he gotta change and I'm surprised I'm surprised it's taking this long. Well the thing with this with the Rooney rule is that teams now have figured out ways to circumvent it, right? So you'll interview a low-level special teams coach that you really don't have any interest in and just like, oh, check the box. I fulfilled my end of the bargain. So in a way, they're dealing in bad faith. But to, to what you were saying, it's a boys club, man. It's just a, it's a good old boys club. It's the same guys... The same owners with the same coaches, the same GMs. It's it's a cannibalistic kind of environment. And it's very rare that new blood gets into gets into the uh, into the mix. So what you need is a reinvention of the Rooney rule to where, you know, you're not just using it as a formality. And I don't know how that looks, but it's something that needs to be re- it needs to be addressed, and it needs to, whether it is the Fritz Pollard Alliance that is helping them write the rule, or if it's just you know because now you have Chris Greer, you have um, Mike Tomlin, you have some very you know well respected assistant coaches that are African American and Hispanic. You know you have more diversity at the middle <laughs> management level but you need to get them on the higher level. And maybe you just, you need some inclusion from these folks and get their input on how to write this rule so that it can't be circumvented so easily by the guys at the top. Email number two coming from Jim in Elmwood Park. Hey Jim, how's it going? Before the pandemic, Colin Kaepernick and other players caught flack for kneeling during the national anthem. At the time, Kaepernick and other players were trying to bring attention to social justice in America. Over the last two weeks, the NFL has had record-breaking viewership. Have people forgot about social injustice in America, or does time heal all wounds? Yeah, um, unfortunately, I do think people have forgotten. You know, we had so many people speak out when the kneeling occurred where they were saying, oh, I'm, there, I'm boycotting NFL. I'm not watching any more games. Guys, the person who works in media, I've seen the ratings. People are watching the games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I do think 
and and think about it. I mean, we didn't talk at all. We haven't been talking at all at what players or coaches are doing during the national anthem. I couldn't tell you who stood, who kneeled, or what happened this weekend. I think I think at the time it brought attention to it. But you know, if you look around, you read papers, and you see what's going on in the world, I think we're I think we are forgetting again. Well, I mean, you definitely have it's coupled back with that first email. You have a lack of diversity, and you also, I mean, if you've been following the news lately in minor league hockey, there were two instances last week of players making racist gestures towards African-American players and both guys got suspended. So this is a systemic (laughs) issue right now that, you know, it is just, you know, we're taking a step back into a very dangerous time right now. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, we're looking past each other. We're not willing to listen to each other. We're not willing to hear each other on certain issues you know, social injustice, racial injustice. It's got to be more than a phrase on the helmet. It's got to be a lot more than a phrase in the end zone. And we definitely need to do better as a culture and as a society in that. And sports is a microcosm of that. I think that people haven't forgotten so much is that it's, it's definitely getting hijacked by the message is getting hijacked by people who, you know, you don't necessarily want to be spreading you know, these agendas. So it's kind of, if we go back to Colin Kaepernick, for example, somehow got manipulated into a lack of respect for the military and uh, a lack of patriotism where, you know, it was, you know, it was a protest of police brutality and it was a protest of, you know, improper law enforcement. So, you know, it's important that we not only hear each other, but we also kind of continue to bring up the issue and continue to clarify so that the message doesn't get hijacked and the story doesn't get hijacked. So that way it's always in the forefront of people's minds. Man, this is a heavy mailbox today. I don't know. Do you, what, do you, what do you think, D? Is this a little... We've got to... Let's see if we can find something to kind of like uh, mellow it out a little bit. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Here's one. All right. So from... From Celine in West Virginia. Friend of the show. Frequent emailer. Hey, guys. It's almost time for the big unveiling. On February 2nd, the WFT is going to pick a new name and logo. The finalists are Red Hogs, Hogs, Warthogs, Commanders, Red Wolves, Wolves, Defenders, Admirals, Armada Brigade, Presidents, or Washington football team. Is there a name you like or a name you think they might be leaning toward? I like the Commanders. Um, I really hope they don't go to the Washington football team. I will be so, so disappointed if they just stick with that name. Commanders could be cool. I'm, I'm in for that. I know I've been hearing things about they, they really like hogs and red hogs, but I'm in for Commanders. That would be my pick if I got to choose. Commanders would be a good one. Um, Brigade is good. 
Like, I think that, you know, it speaks to the military aspect of it, the influence there. Admirals, Armada, eh, I, you know, it, it's fine, I suppose, except it's, it's really a naval kind of thing instead of, like, an, but it kind of is what it is. Defenders isn't bad, but of the bunch... I gotta say, commanders and brigade are the best. And if anything else, like I don't know, Washington football team to me is third out of that list. Like the other ones, like the wolves, eh? Red wolves, eh? Red hogs, the hogs. Do you really want a pig on the side of your right, or do you go Cleveland Brown and just go with the the maroon helmets? Like I, I don't know what you do with that. But I don't necessarily want a hog as my as my logo. Like you might as well get Porky Pig while you're at it. But you know, commanders can be badass, brigade can be badass, and you can really kind of portray that toughness that you're thinking about and that toughness that you want to portray going forward. And all of these are neutral, so that you know you don't have the diversity issues, you don't have the uh, racial stereotyping issues that you have had in the past. And, you know, this is something that Dan Snyder definitely needs to clean up. And any of these would be a fine choice, but you definitely, like, I think you got to go with something with a little bit of oomph to it. Like, you know, Brigade or, you know, Commanders would be good too. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It's time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. We tell you our nominees. You go to the Twitter poll at FadeRouteDNZ and you vote. And you vote and you vote and you vote. Do you know who won last week, D? I don't remember, but I think it was a landslide victory. It was a landslide victory. It was unanimous for Mike McCarthy. Congratulations, coach. You won the ass for last week. Gift baskets in the mail. Gift baskets in the mail, and uh, we may pack your boxes for you to make room for Coach Pate. But I'm just saying. So who are your nominees this week, D? Oh, this week it was really easy. First up for my alleged superstar of the week is a Mr. Aaron Rodgers. 0-4 0-4 against the 49ers, and you told them that they would pay since they didn't draft you. They paid all right, and you've helped them advance. So, <laughs> good job, Aaron. Uh, 225 yards in a home playoff game at Lambeau Field. Missing throws and losing to injured quarterback Jimmy G. Aaron Rodgers, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Next up, Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety for the Tampa Bay Bucks. The game is tied. You have one rule as a safety. Don't let anyone get behind you. You let Cooper Cup, who had over 140 yards receiving with a touchdown, get behind you on the most pivotal play of the game. How do you not account for this guy pre-snap? How does he, how do you let this happen? Then, after he catches the ball, you tackle him so that the Rams can run the clock out and kick a field goal. Antoine Winfield Jr., you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, we just talked about him, Mr. Grayson Allen, forward, 
on the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, former first round pick in NBA and former first round pick, pick and NCAA champion, pulled Alex Caruso to the ground during a layup attempt, causing Alex Caruso to fracture his wrist. Dirty play, man. Dirty play. It was unnecessary. Grayson Allen, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What say you, Z? All good choices. All good choices and di- very different from mine. So I will definitely, you know, kudos to you for that. Like last year, last week we had a little bit of crossover. This week we got some variety for you guys. I'm starting off with Ryan Tannehill. We're tossing three killer picks and shitting the bed against the Bengals, sending Cincy to its first AFC title game since 1988. Ryan Tannehill, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Leslie Frazier, D coordinator of the Buffalo Bills for calling a soft, predictable defense that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey shredded to a tie and ultimately beat the Bills. Leslie Frazier, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Sean Hockley for not swallowing the whistle on two ridiculous penalties on Tampa Bay and their loss to the Rams. Really? Wagging your finger? That's taunting. Okay, Tyreek Hill is still holding up that peace sign. No problem. He did a backflip into the end zone this week? Did he do that this week? Oh, maybe not. Sean Hockley, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, the BBWAA for being the quote-unquote gatekeepers of baseball yet letting PED user David Ortiz into Cooperstown because he was nice to you. BBWAA, you are my alleged superstar of the week. These are our nominees, ladies and gentlemen. Go to the Twitter poll when it is up and vote, vote, vote. And for our nominees... Just do better. Just do better. podcast has its own merch line now go to the fade store with dnz.com today for all your fade route merch needs i'm talking tank tops t-shirts sweatshirts like yoga pants we got those too like some cool accessories we got those too and we're not done yet we have so much more planned for you but check out what we have today at the fade store with dnz.com that's the fade store with dnz.com Let's run the option and give you our picks for the week. All right, boys and girls, is the option for conference championship weekend. How'd you do last week, brother? Uh, one and three. Same. It was a rough weekend. It was a rough, rough, rough weekend. But we're coming down to the wire. Uh, the... The Kansas City Chiefs, I think they bailed me out. <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs the Chiefs bailed me out, too. Everything else was just... Oh, wait a minute. A- I'm sorry. I went 0-4. I just realized I picked the Bills. So, thanks, Bills. They Oof. really helped me out. I, I went 0 for First 0 for of the year for me. Thank you very much. Well, 1-3 is not much better than 0-4, brother. So, don't, don't beat yourself up over it. But uh, here we go. 3 p.m. Sunday. January 30th, 
the Cincinnati Bengals going to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Who you got? Yeah, I just can't see the Chiefs getting beat by the Bengals again. <laughs> I mean, I just can't see that happening. And this is going to be their first title game. Um, and pretty much the Chiefs showed up with their briefcases this year. So I got to go Chiefs on this one. It would be a great story if the Bengals went from worst, went from last place to Super Bowl. But it ain't happening. Sorry. You got Mahomes, you got Kelsey, you got Hill. Chiefs. And 6.30 p.m., the Niners, led by Jimmy G, go into SoFi Stadium to take on the Rams. Um, yeah, it sucks. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the Rams are going to win. It's it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. I can't I can't imagine Jimmy G with his, with his busted finger going in and winning this game. I can't see it as much as I want as much so as I want right? that to happen as much as I want so bad as much as I want Nick Bosa as much as I want Debo Samuel I can't the Rams are too talented and they're humming on all cylinders right now it looks like we're gonna have a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl this has been the fade route with D and Z thanks for tuning in tonight catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on anchor Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route Mail at gmail.com, or slide in our DMs at Twitter at Fade Route DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.